Hello, my name is Reverend Jesse Jackson. You're listening to Too Much Truth with Derek Bozeman on News and Talk 1380 WAOK. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! our citizens are black citizens if you as a white person would be happy to receive the same treatment that our black citizens do in this society please stand you didn't understand the directions if you white folks want to be treated the way blacks are in this society stand nobody's standing here that says very plainly that you know what's happening you know you don't want it for you I want to know why you're so willing to accept it or to allow it to happen for others. All right. Welcome to News and Talk 1380 WLK. The voice of the community is Too Much Truth with Derek Bozeman. We told you today we would bring you Dr. Jane Elliott. Her work has been um, uh, a seminal work on the issue of race and undoing racism for a very long time. Uh, but uh, a lot of folks have now began to start listening and we wanted to bring her to you here on too much truth uh dr elliot how are you well i'm just fine but i'm not a doctor but i, I appreciate you calling me one well we appreciate you look the, 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 <laughs> when you begin to cure the ills of society we'll give you that doctor but for the proper titling uh uh miss elliot um, well, thank you. I'm just an educator. I'm not a doctor. I'm an educator. An educator okay. is somebody who leads people out of ignorance. All right, let's talk about the, the work that you do uh, and why the work is so critical and so important. Um, let's start with the seminal work. Uh, after the assassination of Dr. King, as we read, um, the day after, you conducted a study that has probably been talked about uh, in academia and sociology um, every sense. Tell us about why uh, you conducted the initial brown eye, blue eyes kind of experiment, and what did that reveal to you, and what you've learned about this construct called racism since that time? I did it because Martin Luther King Jr. had been one of our heroes of the month in my third grade class in all white, all Christian Riceville, Iowa. And he was our Hero of the Month in February, along with, unfortunately, George Washington, who owned slaves, bought and sold people. Abraham Lincoln, who refused to free the slaves until it became politically necessary for him to do so. Daniel Boone, who took over Native Americans' land and called it his own, and is a hero because of it. And David Crockett, who died killing Mexicans as we tried to take over part of their land. Then those were our Heroes of the Month, along with Martin Luther King Jr. in February. That was racist teaching, and I would not have admitted that I was doing racist teaching until the next day. Well, I knew that my students were going to have... I went home, to, I went home that night carrying mm -hmm. the teepee that my previous year's third graders had made because we were studying the Indian unit. And my third graders for that year were going to put that teepee up in the classroom the next morning. We were going to sit in it. We were going to sing Indian songs written by white folks. We were going to read Indian poetry written by white folks. We were going to Henry, you know, by the shore to get you me. Henry was with Longfellow. We were going to... We were going to learn the Sioux Indian prayer, which says, Oh, great spirit, keep me from ever judging a man until I've walked a mile in his moccasins. 
I was going to teach my students that prayer the next day, and I walked into my house, and the telephone was ringing. I answered the telephone. It was my sister, and she said, is your television on? I said, no. I said, you better turn it on. I said, why? She said, because they shot it. And I said, who did they shoot this time? Because we already shot several people that were trying to make a difference. And she said, Martin Luther King, Jr. I can't say that without getting sick to my stomach. And this is, every time I say this, I get physically ill. Because he had been one of our heroes in the month in February. Wow. And he represented hope to me. And for me, hope is an acronym for hanging on to positive energy. And that's what Martin Luther King Jr. was doing. He was trying to be positive in a negative situation, in a situation in which his life was in danger all the time. And we finally killed him. I was just sick. I was sick then. I, didn't, I get sick every time I think about it now. I knew I was going to have to go into my classroom the next day and try to explain that killing to my students. And there's no way to explain that to third graders or to people who are 33, which is what I was approximately at the time. And I watched the people on television. I watched Walter Cronkite interviewing three leaders of the black community, and he said to them, when our leader was killed, his will held us together. Who's going to keep your people in line? I was absolutely infuriated by that question. And then, so I changed the channel, and there's Dan Rather saying to three black males, um, don't you Negroes think you should feel sorry for us white people doing this because we can't feel the anger at this killing that you mm. Negroes can. Mm. I was absolutely, I was so angered and so disgusted and so disappointed in those two supposedly intelligent, educated white males that I decided that the next day, if my students didn't understand what we were talking about when we discussed this killing, and there's no way they could, that not only was I going to teach them the Sioux Indian prayer, I was going to arrange to have it answered for them. Hmm. I decided that the next morning I would do what Hitler did and what we had done in this country for 400 years. I was going to pick out a group of people on the basis of a physical characteristic over which they had absolutely no control. I was going to assign negative traits to them because of that physical characteristic and that physical characteristic alone. I was going to treat them as though all the negative things I was saying about them were absolutely true. I was going to lower my expectations for them, and when they lived down to my expectations of them, I was going to blame their behaviors on that physical characteristic. Now, that's what racism is. In a, in a short form, that's what racism is. It's total ignorance. I didn't know what physical characteristic to use. I couldn't use height. I was the only tall one in that room. And I don't want to hear it. I'm 5'2", and I'll never get any taller. No. Those kids were all taller than I was by the time they were in eighth grade. I couldn't use height, I couldn't use gender. We do that all the time. I refuse to reinforce gender discrimination. I couldn't use hair color because it's too easy to change. I couldn't use age for obvious reasons. I decided I would literally do what Hitler did. One of the ways you got put into the gas chamber or work camps during the Holocaust was by having the wrong color eyes. If you had a good German name, but you had brown eyes, they threw you into the gas chamber because they thought you might be a Jewish person who was trying to pass. Right. They killed hundreds of thousands of people on the basis of eye color alone. So I decided at that moment, that the next morning, I would separate my students according to the color of their eyes. I would treat one group as we treat white people in this country. I would treat the other group the way we treat people of other color groups in this country. And I would let my white, my brown, my brown, my brown eyed beautiful, brown-eyed, wonderful third graders find out how it feels to be on the top and the blue ones how it feels to be on the bottom for one day. Wow. I didn't know how the exercise would work. And the reason I didn't know how the exercise would work is because I'm a white woman and I don't know about racism. That's my number one freedom in this country as a white woman is to be totally ignorant about racism. 
Command number two freedom is the freedom to deny the migrant. Command number three freedom is to say to people of color who accuse me of making a racist remark, well, you took it wrong, or you just don't understand. Mm. Well, that's the way you people are. Have you heard all these statements? You have, and I have, and we all know it. Right. If I had known how that exercise would work, I wouldn't have done it. Wow. Because within 15 minutes after I started the exercise the next day, I found out how I look to people of color. Mm. And I have totally changed what I am as a result of that. All right. I watched yeah, mm-hmm. I watched my brown-eyed people become me. Oh, it was awful. And I watched my blue-eyed people become students who behave the way we have accused women mm-hmm. and people of color of behaving because of the way they were being treated. Mm. Jane Elliott, you've got to take a break. When we come back, um, the foundation of your work and your discussions is that racism is a learned behavior. Absolutely. And if it is learned, it can be unlearned. But in the introductory uh, clip that we played, you asked a powerful question to an all-white audience. Which one among us would trade places with a, a, a person of color? And nobody stood up. Uh, when we come back from this break, I want you to tell uh, us, this audience, uh, why, in your estimation, didn't anybody stand up uh, in that audience? And what is it that benefits the individual uh, that they're willing to recognize that racism exists, but are not willing to talk about it, speak about it, or act on it? Again, our special guest is Jane Elliott. She is a um, anti-racist. Um, she is an educator, uh, but more importantly, she's an important voice crying out in the wilderness trying to answer this question of race. We'll be back in a moment. It's too much truth with Derek Bozeman on News and Talk 1380 WALK. 1380 WAOK. Hi, this is Reverend Jeremiah Wright, and you're listening to Too Much Truth with my friend Derek Bozeman. God bless you. Have a wonderful day. I'm gonna make a change for once in my life. It's gonna feel real good. Gonna make a difference, gonna make it right. All right, welcome back to News and Talk 1380 WLK 404-892-2703 gets you inside the conversation. We are talking to uh, Jane Elliott, educator, um, you know, anti-racist, who uh, is doing a tremendous work, and uh, we thank her for her time. Um, Jane, tell us about um, the clip we play coming in group of whites you ask them who would change places with their black counterparts nobody stood up were you surprised by that no i wasn't because that was probably the most honest moment they'll ever live they didn't want to be treated the way black people are treated they know how black people are treated they don't want to be treated that way anybody who stood up would be a fool you would be a fool if you wanted to be treated like you were an ongoing experiment which is what we do People who call what I do in my classroom an experiment are wrong. It is an experiment. I don't experiment with children. Mm-hmm. But if what I do when I create a microcosm of society in a classroom or a boardroom or wherever I do this exercise, if that's an experiment, then what we're doing in this society is an experiment. We ought to put a stop to it. 
It isn't working for anyone. It isn't working for black people, certainly. Native Americans, absolutely not. Hispanic Latinos, absolutely not. And it isn't working for white people either. Because if it weren't for that ridiculous learned bigotry, we would not have to deal with a Donosaurus team hump today. We are living, we are, you know, you sow the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. And that's what we're doing. Bigotry has put us where we are today with this situation. Who do you find the most resistance from, um, Jane? Who, who resists this? Obviously, we live in a culture that is so permeated with race and preoccupied with it um, that we have to create organizations like Black Lives Matter just to say, look, we, we uh, are hurting too. We are dying uh, at the hands of uh, uh, po- almost police-sanctioned terror. Who resists your message? And have you found that there are those who are open to hear what you have to say? Uh, do you even care? Strangely, strangely and scarily, scarily enough, the ones who resist it the most right now are evangelical Christians. Mm. And I know they're going to hate my saying that, but that's what's happening. Because they are absolutely devoted to the Adam and Eve story, and I haven't looked at it closely because obviously <laughs> that's all about people of different colors. Adam was, was made out of dirt and with the Garden of Eden it had to be black or brown because that was rotted vegetation, so his skin was dark and he was made out of red tissue, all bone tissue is white. So the first marriage was obviously a multicolored one. But that's not the way they see that. They you want to make you want to find out about racism? Buy a bunch of Christmas cards with the Holy Family on it, and color them right. The baby Jesus did not look like the little Pillsbury boy. He had curly hair and feet of bronze. Mm-hmm. We need to change the situation. We need to change. These kids are going to go back to school next in two weeks, and they're going to once again learn that Columbus discovered America. Right. You cannot discover a place where people are already, already living. There. there were black people here before Columbus discovered America. And there are all kinds of statues all over the southern part of this country and in Mexico that show black people. So this is, it's all, it's all a constructed lie. Everybody listening to me has to read the book, The Myth of Race, by Robert Wald, W-A-L-D, Sussman, S-U-S-S-M-A-N. You have to read that book or you will not understand what's being done to you and what is being done to you in the present and what will continue to be done to all of us in the future if we don't put a stop to it. God created the human race. Human beings created racism. We are all members of the same race. You and I are cousins, whether you like it or not. Now, you may not like to be related to me, mm-hmm. but you are. We are all members of the family of man, and I will not tolerate people abusing members of my relatives just because of somebody else's ignorance about skin color. I won't tolerate it. I won't have it. So most of my white so-called friends and relatives stay away from me in droves. Wow. Talk about racism from an institutional level, because some people just believe Jane, that racism is about my dislike or, uh, or or my not wanting to associate with you. It is hard for people to believe that racism have creeped in just about every endeavor of life. And so when we see the hyper-incarceration, hyper particularly of African-American males, we begin to see racism as it has entered institutions. We see young black boys who get expelled 
and young white boys who get disciplined in school, the numbers seem to indicate that this is so permeated institutions that we can't avoid. Um, talk about institutional racism, how racism plays out in the everyday lives of black and brown people. Racism is a money-making event, is a money-making endeavor. Make no mistake about that. Mm -hmm. There is money to be made in racism. There's a young man going around the country preaching white privilege. And in one of his tapes, he says that we, the Civil War is over. We have done away with slavery and segregation in this country. We no longer have slavery and segregation in this country. Either he's lying or he hasn't been watching. We had reinstituted slavery in the prison industrial system in this country. Right. You don't know what to do with black and brown males. Hillary Clinton said black and brown males are super predators, and they need to be brought to heel. That's what she, she said. She used words that describe black and brown males as animals, and now she's running for the presidency. You need to worry about that. You really need to worry about what was in her mind when she uttered those words. You need to look at the prison industrial complex. You need to realize that instead of teaching these young men, when they start to act up out in school, number one, we need to find out how many of them are dyslexic, and I'll bet you mm -hmm. that 80% of them are. And they mm -hmm. aren't going to learn because the teachers, generally speaking, don't know how to teach the dyslexic male. Wow. Four out of five dyslexic people are males. And if you have a dyslexic father, you've got probably his sons are going to be dyslexic. If you don't know how to teach the dyslexic male, it's easier to drum them out. Mm. I remember when I said gave me 16 dyslexic kids one year, and the principal said, these kids are nothing but duds, 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 pass them on and get them out of here. They'll never amount to anything anyway, because they haven't been able to teach them to read yet. So I taught them to read. One of them is now a lawyer, and one has been an elementary, a junior and senior high school principal for years. They work failures because I refuse to allow them to fail. We are willing to allow black and brown males to fail, because then we can use them. We can get them out on the street. They come and speak involved with the criminal justice system, which is a misnomer if ever there was one, they end up in prison, and then we can have, a, have products made in the prison industry, and cheaper than sending the raw, raw materials overseas, we can have it done right there in our own community, and if you bring a prison into your community, it will give you 300 new jobs in your communities. Wow. The prison industrial system is a money maker. Wow. Racism is a moneymaker. Make no mistake about that. Uh, 448922703. On that point, um, Jane Elliott, we've got to take another break, but I, I do want you to, when you come back, I, I want you to tell us from your study, from what you understand, from what you know, what was the foundational basis of racism? Is it the money? And if it is the money, is there any hope of deconstructing it in any, on any mass level? What do we do now that we know that, that this is a learned behavior, that it has crept into every institution um, where human endeavor kind of uh, come together? What do you say to white America? Another point that I want, racism depends on a false sense of superiority on one people's uh, uh, part, and it also depends on a sense of inferiority on another's people's parts. And I want you to talk about those two parts of racism when we come back. Uh, again, our special guest, and we're very grateful for her. She has been lecturing and touring all over the country. 
and have been heard all over the world. But you hear Narette here on News and Talk 1380 WLK as she deconstructs talk about racism in very powerful ways as a white woman um, sharing some very powerful ideas. If you got a question, comment for uh, Ms. Elliott. You can call us up at 404-892-2703. Our phone line's already going off the hook, but call us at 404-892-2703. When we come back, we'll talk about racism, those who feel superior, and those who have been made to feel inferior because of looks, color. Yesterday, we talked about Gabby Douglas, how she had been bullied uh, based on how she looks and how um, she's perceived. We'll talk about that. 448922703. We'll be back. It's too much truth with Derek Bozeman on News and Talk 1380 WAOK. 404-892-2703 on News and Talk 1380 WAOK. Trying to teach racism through the brown-eyed, blue-eyed experiment, and already the blue-eyed and green-eyed people in this building along are upset and want you to explain, Jane, that what you were saying to him about brown-eyed people and blue-eyed people is not true. No. But his eye a, color has nothing to do with his ignorance. <laughs> right. Because already in our bill, in Harbo, people are saying, she needs to say, because blue-eyed people, there's nothing wrong. It's an experiment. It's a, it's, it's, yes, yes, yes. Okay, so, Jane, what I think we also need to explain, and I think our next show, we should do that, our next show. How many of you would be willing to participate in the brown-eyed, blue-eyed experiment? Yeah. Okay, good. We'll have you back one day. We'll do it. Uh, um, you people like to suffer, don't you? Yeah, like to suffer. It's, it's, it's so interesting. Even though you know it's an experiment, it become, people get so crazed in the midst of it. I think you need to explain something that I think uh, maybe got not heard as well as it should have, Jane. Jane said just a few minutes ago that if you were raised white in America and you are not prejudiced, then you would be a miracle. It would be a miracle to not be prejudiced. And explain what you meant by that. It would mean that the school system had failed because the school system in this country is about maintaining the status quo. And in this country, it is white supremacy. That is one of the things we teach in the schools. And we teach it in lots and lots of ways. How many of you have ever had a teacher say to you, I don't, when I see people, I don't see people as black or brown or red or yellow. I just see people as people. How many of you have ever heard that statement? How many of you have ever Gloria made that Gloria just said statement? it earlier today. Gloria just said, I don't see color. I don't see color. Isn't that wonderful? How many of you have ever heard a teacher say this? I don't care if you're black or brown or green with purple stripes. I'm going to treat you all the same. Ever heard that one? Now, how many of you have ever seen earthlings that were green with purple stripes? You see, that's a very serious statement to make because you are lumping all people of color with aliens. All right. Um... Jane Elliott, it is so simple. You have been able to do what um, demographers, what sociologists and others have been trying. You just make it plain. Uh, why do we make it so complex to understand this construct called racism, white supremacy? Because it's about power. We are totally, totally right now, white males particularly, are scared to death. Because they know that within 30 years, a maximum of 30 years, right. white people will be in the numerical minority in the United States of America. And if you don't believe that that's what's in their heads, you need to get the book, The Birth Birth, by Ben Wattenberg, in which he says that that's the number one problem confronting the United States today. Mm -hmm. If we do not increase our white birth rate, there will, 
the white race will be outnumbered, and this will no longer be a white man's land. And then you read the three cures he has for that problem, and you will be absolutely infuriated. Those of you who think that the right to life movement is about morality, right. or sort of that poorly that little fetus, need to realize that Ben Wattenberg says in his book, we have to remember that 60% of the fetuses that are aborted every year are white. If we could keep that white 60% alive, that would solve our birth dearth. Right. If you think the right to life movement is about something other than increasing the number of white births in this country, take another look. This is this is about power and white people basing their power on the amount of a chemical in their skin. You need to remember what Frederick Douglass said. He said, if there is no struggle, there is no progress. Those who profess to favor freedom and yet deprecate agitation are men who want crops without plowing up the ground. They want rain without thunder and lightning. They want the ocean without the awful roar of its many waters. Now listen to this and see if you think this reminds you of anything. Where justice is denied, you want to talk about killing of young black males? Where poverty is enforced, where ignorance prevails, mm. and where any one class is made to feel that society is an organized conspiracy to oppress, rob, and degrade them, neither persons nor property will be safe. Right. We have to put a stop to this nonsense. It's in the best interest of all of us. In my estimation, young black and brown males in this country are living in a war zone, mm. and they are suffering from PTSD. And I don't mean post-traumatic stress disorder. Present. I mean present traumatic stress disorder. They are under the gun in this country on a daily basis, 24-7. Wow. This has to be stopped. This is not the land of the free and the home of the brave. We white folks are free, and people of other colored groups have to be brave. What the hell kind of a situation have we created here? Wow. I got some people on the phone that have some questions. Let, we want to go to our phone line, if that's okay with you. That's fine. All right. We have Killer Mike on the phone. Killer Mike, how are you? I'm good. I don't have any questions. I just call and say, Jane, I love you, and there's nothing as fun as riding through the city listening to you and the good brother Derek Bozen. Thank you for all your truth. Thank you for educating me on so much, and I hope you're around as long as you can be. Thank Killer you. Killer Mike, and to everybody who's listening, listen to Killer Mike. He says one of the solutions is for black people to trade with black people. Black people, people of all those other colors other than white, Trade with people and spend your money with people who appreciate you, who support you, and who recognize you as fully humans, as their relatives. Do not spend your money, which it takes a whole lot of work to make, with people who disrespect you. Wow. Thank you, my brother. We appreciate you. All right. right. Thank you, Mike. All right. Let's go go next to Sirius in the ATL. Sirius Young with Jane Elliott. Question or comment? Can you hear me? Uh, I can now. Okay, great. I have two questions, two-part questions. First, thank you, Ms. James, for coming on and sharing your perspective on race and racism. My first question is, how can someone who's white unlearn a behavior that is taught to them by people they love and gives them a supreme purpose? And if you find that you cannot unlearn this or white, white people cannot unlearn racism, do you recommend that African people or black people continue to remain in coexistence with their historical oppressor, or is it time for us to physically separate? Great question. 
Jane Elliott? Yeah, it, no, it doesn't make any sense to physically separate. We're all members of the same race. You've got to start seeing one another as members of the same race. You can't separate from the human race. You're a member thereof. So instead of saying, I'm going to separate from those people, say to yourself, I'm going to educate those folks. I'm going to let them find out how it feels to be on the receiving end of this, and then they'll change their behaviors. But the suing in credit has never judged a man until he walked a mile in his moccasins. Let them walk a mile in your moccasins for a week. They won't be able to take it. I can, white males going through the blue eyed brown eyed exercise can't take it for more than half an hour. An hour and a half almost. I mean, I've had one man go ahead have a heart attack on the premises because that was too difficult for him to live mm-hmm. for an hour and a half the way a black male has to live for 24-7 in this country. I think once people of the white color group realize how strong members of those other color groups are in that they have been able to take this and survive in spite of it, we've got to start seeing the strength in communities of people of other colors. Well, you can't separate. Don't Mm -hmm. talk about separation to me because you cannot separate from the human race. All right. You can separate in color groups, but you're all members of the same race. Once you get that in your head, you won't want to separate in. You want to make things better. All right. Your next point, Sirius. My next point is because white supremacy and racism has created that much power in the white male, as you pointed out, to make him walk in my my moccasins, I would have to acquire the same power. Mm -hmm. How can I then acquire that power without behaving like him towards me? Because I don't no, see, don't. I see that no, contradiction. Don't. No, you don't. No, you don't have to acquire that same power. You have to have. For instance, I worked with a, one of the major telephone companies in the western part of the United States for two years, and we did the blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise with so-called adults, and we found out that many, many white people spend all of their life time in either their child or their parent ego state. They never get into the adult ego state because they aren't expected to. You have to have, you have to really educate them. And if you just get them to read Suffman's book, it would save their lives. In the end, it would save their lives. I'm not talking about power. I'm talking about staying alive. Thank you. I had a young man coming down this hallway after I did a speech a couple of months ago. He said, Mrs. Elliott, Mrs. Elliott, I want to thank you. I said, what for? He said, you freed me. I'm freer than I've ever been in my life. I don't have to pretend to be superior anymore. And the black man standing there said, and I don't have to live down to your idea of me as being inferior. We can give up those labels. We can give up those labels. They are imposed and they they are created by people who want power. If you don't read the assessment book, you've done yourselves a disservice. Read that book. Or... If you want to know about the blue eyed exercise, read the book, A Collar in My Pocket. It just came out. I wrote it a couple, I've been writing it for, for 50 years. Read the book, A Collar in My Pocket, and it will tell you some of the things you can do to do something about this situation. And nobody is powerless in this situation. Every one of us can make a difference. Mm. Go on my website, and there's a list of, put out by Judith Katz. She used to be at, I don't know, I, I guess it's Oklahoma, University of Oklahoma. And she made a list of things that you can do to help destroy the races in this country. Go to my website, com, and get that list of commitments to combat racism. Racism is not something we have to have forever. It's something we can stop. It's time to stop it. Uh, Jane, our phones are obviously are loaded. Can you, can you hang with us for another segment, just for a few more moments, just answer the callers? 
Well, if you've got some time, so would I. I have nothing but time. I'm on to 7 o'clock. I'll keep you here forever because I think you are, um, uh, in fact, I know you are answering a lot of people's questions, and you're, you're making it very clear and very plain. When we come back, JoJo in DeKalb, Oretta and Gwinnett, Cornell in Dallas, Georgia. We're going to take your calls. Put you on with Jane Elliott. Please form your question or comment. We appreciate Jane for coming on. She's done a seminal work. She's been featured on just about every TV show, Oprah Winfrey on down. Uh, and again, when we come back, Jane, we also want you to give those books name because if you're really about undoing racism, we want you to get the tools that will help you be effective. We're going to give you all the books that she has called off. And uh, you can go to JaneElliott.com. I'm going to give you that information again. We'll be back in a moment. It's Too Much Truth with Derek Bozeman on News and Talk 1380 WALK. Too, too, too much truth. Into your show, with no half of the knowledge that you've been given out in your show before. And I just want to take my hat off, man. You had me laughing a while ago. It's just been a blessing listening to you. It's Derek Bozeman on News and Talk 1380 WALK. Society. How many of you have a parent or a grandparent who is over 75? How many of you would want medical attention withheld from that person on the basis of their birth date? Now, people, you need to be aware that if they can do it to people of color today, they can do it to the aged tomorrow. And all of you will have to worry about that someday if you're very fortunate. See any other differences here? Glasses. You talked about height and age and gender. You see another difference here that's important? Color. Yeah, see, nobody wants to say the C word. It used to be the C word was c c condom. You couldn't say that one. <laughs> now you have to say it because it will keep you alive. But now no one wants to say the C word as color because we have a president who says, I think what we need is a colorblind society. All right, welcome back to News and Talk 1380 WLK, our special guest. We're grateful for her. She has been busy uh, on the circuit talking about the issues of race as they have been brought to the forefront by some of our political figures, and then just the reality in our life. Uh, Jane Elliott, you say without equivocation that all white people are racist. Why? Because they were educated to be. And we've done studies in this country that prove that the longer you spend in school, the more bigoted you become, because the longer you learn about the rightness of whiteness. If you have graduated from high school in the United States of America and taken those social studies mm -hmm. courses and seen all those pictures and all those storybooks of all the white men in positions of power and all those people of other, other color groups other than white and you aren't a racist, you weren't paying attention. Mm. Now, there's nothing wrong with being a racist as long as you know you are one and you've decided to stop it. You can stop being a racist. I'm working on doing that. I didn't realize until I was 33 what racist looks like. And when I look in the mirror, well, now I know. And I've been looking ever since then to get rid of the racism that was, that was, you know, which I was indoctrinated all my life. I'll never forget the day my dad saw the first film that was made in my classroom with my third graders going through the blue brown eyed exercise. He was about 56 years old at the time. I hadn't seen him cry since my little sister died when she was three years old when I was 10. And he said, after watching that film, he stood up Blowing his nose with tears in his eyes, said, I wish somebody had taught me that when I was nine years old. Wow. He had to wait until he was 56 to learn it from third graders in my classroom. All right. He shouldn't have had to go through those years of ignorance. 
And I don't ever want to hear a black person say to me again, that person doesn't like me because I'm black. That person doesn't like you, not because you're black, because that, but because that person is ignorant about skin color. Do not take the responsibility for that person disliking you. Put it where it belongs, on the person who is ignorant about skin color. That's the problem. Skin color isn't the problem. Ignorance about skin color is the problem. All right, we got a lot of folks on the phone. Let's go to JoJo in DeKalb County. JoJo, hey. you're on with Jane Elliott. Very quickly, I got a lot of folks on the phone. Question or comment? Good, good, good. How you doing? Good. Hey, Jane, first thing I want to say is I congratulate you. You, We need about a million more uh, people just like you to tell the true story about this thing called racism. Uh, one point I want to, I got a couple points to make right quick. Right, real quick, Joe, I got a lot of folks. Come on. Anyway, if you could bring out more, one way to stop this racist mentality is to bring out more of the eye color DNA into, uh, into perspective because a lot of people don't realize that your eye color is part of your DNA which tracks back to the... Okay. Yeah, question, and, Joe. Huh? Question. Yeah, question. Uh, I wanted to ask you, Jane, uh, thinking about the lynch factor from slave all the way up to now where they use the lynches to terrorize uh, black men to not look at white, to deal with white women, okay. right? All right. So, I'm going to I'm, I'm stop. So, today, fast forward, you got the police killing black males one at a time. I want to ask you, do you think that this is part of that mentality from then and, uh, and, and that the shooting is to re- bring back that fear? All right. What is the what do you see looking at these recent shootings of African American men? What is at the heart and soul of that, Jane, in your mind? All right. All right, we got to wait. We done dropped her. Make sure we get her back on the phone. When we get back, we'll make sure to ask her that. Four four eight nine two two seven zero three four zero four eight nine two two seven zero three. We'll come back, we'll get Jane. We'll know how we dropped her. That may have been my fault on this side of the board, but we'll make sure to answer that question. What is at the heart of what is happening to African-American men? I certainly want to hear her perspective on that. 448922703, please form your question or comment. We're not going to run all the way around Robin Hood Barn in order to try to help you figure out what you're really trying to ask. 448922703. Two seven zero three. I think we have Miss Elliot back on the phone. Is she back on? All right, uh, Jane. I'm sorry. That was probably my fault. Um, the question, the the essential part of the question was the current shooting that we see of black men. Uh, is that an outgrowth of racist behavior and attitudes? Um, does it follow the lynching that was a part of everyday life? The terror that was created uh, for black men. Uh, during the slavery and post-slavery era. What is your question? I we were talking the the caller acts was the shooting and killing of black men that we are seeing across the country by police officers. Do you see that being tied to race and racism uh, as of a part course. of that? Absolutely, absolutely. It isn't just those people who aren't policemen who learn to be racist. They all learn the same thing, and they're acting on what they've been taught. And there has been no 
evidently no credible person is willing to stand up and say we've been taught a lie. Mm. Because if we say we've been taught a lie now, after 400 years, mm-hmm. do you really want to do that? People aren't even willing to stand up in the speech that I'm giving and admit that they don't want to be treated the way people of color are treated. Yeah. All right, let's go to... No, we don't, we don't want to change. If, well, if my dad decided to change and he did, he, he, wouldn't, he would not allow a racist remark to be made in his presence after he saw the film with my third graders. All right, let's go to Jihad in the West End. Jihad, you're on with Jane Elliott. Hey, how y'all doing? Good. Real quick. A quick question. I'm, I want to give a little little throwback on the, the white men being afraid of their population uh, decreasing. Well, European people, well, I would say the American white man might have that fear. But white supremacy being a universal uh, concept, your people, European people clearly understand that they are outnumbered in the world community. So therefore, what they have done was put their mindset, their culture, their values, their histories in the mind of darker people worldwide. So what you see is, 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 is dark people imitating European identity, culture, and values. And as long as that takes place, then European people those wise people or those smart people that construct this system, they're not afraid of the number game. That's the ignorant European that's afraid of the number game. The intelligent ones that put together this concept called white supremacy understand that technology and science has allowed them to promote that concept mentally. And I think she said something earlier about in the educational system Mm -hmm. or subliminally. You know what I mean? So I think we need to be, and and I commend her, 100% 100% DB on, on her presentation. Okay. But I think that we need to, and, and she's saying it in the essence that it's deeper than just the numbers. You know what I mean? And I just wanted to throw that but in. Need, and but thank you, for but you need to remember that for thousands of years, people believed in mythology. They believed that the sun was a god in a golden chariot that went across the sky every morning. And then scientists came, oh, that's not what happened. And they showed us what happened. Now, we have information out there in things like the Sussman book that prove that this idea of race is a lie. We got over the myth of all those great myths that told us why all these things happen. Now, it's time to get over the myth of race. This can happen. It has to happen in the church. Mm-hmm. It has to happen in the schools. It has to happen in the grocery store. It has to happen in the Masonic hall. It has to happen... The young people have to be taught the truth. Mm-hmm. And when young people go home and start telling their parents that they learned the truth, parents will change their behaviors. I've watched it happen. Yeah. Third graders going home and saying to their dad, Dad, you can't say that anymore because that's not true. Their dads came to school and said, What are you teaching my kid? And I said, Yes, I'm teaching your kid. And then they leave saying, Well, that's going to make my life easier. And I say, Yeah, it could make your life longer, too. Because the stress that was put on white males to maintain their false sense of superiority is killing them. But, Jane, I think the other point... This hurts all of us, not just people of other Mm -hmm. color groups. It also hurts white people. I think the other point that I would definitely be fascinated to hear your take on is, okay, I recognize that this system exists. I recognize as a white male, right? I recognize the system exists, but what I'm not willing to do is I recognize it exists, but the privilege that it has afforded me, 
Because as you said, at the root of this is really money. Now you mean I need to make repair for the damage that has been done even today in my own community, in my institutions. You just name a couple of them, Masonic Order and other places. Uh, how do I then make whole on the financial side? Um, you know, how, how do I make whole? How do I repair this damage? Other than acknowledging it, because acknowledging it is not going to cause the races anything other than wait, a shift wait, in his wait mindset. A wait a minute. We can't repair what's been done. Okay. You can't change the past. You can't change the past. What you can do in the present is see to it that no more damage of that kind is inflicted in the present so that you will change the future. I pray, life prayer that says, oh, Lord. Give me the hindsight to recognize where I've been and what I've done, the foresight to see where I'm going and what I can do, and the insight to see when I, to know when I'm going too far. Now, what white people lack is hindsight, foresight, and insight. We're in bad shape. And we have, we have visited upon other color groups our ignorance. Okay. White people do not want to be totally, we don't want to be treated the way we treat other people. No, absolutely. In order to avoid that happening, we have to change the way we treat other our groups today. All right, all right. We got to, we got to take a break. Do right, you have any more time you can give us? How much more time do you want? I will make this the last segment. I promise. I got at least four people on the phone that has been holding, and when we get through, yes. we'll let you we'll let you go. Okay. All right. Appreciate you. Four four eight nine two two seven zero three is our phone number. Our special guest, Jane Elliott. Uh, and she is just giving it to you the way she understands it, raw and uncut. We'll be back. It's News and Talk 1380 WAOK. 1380 WAOK. This is Danny Glover, and you are listening to Too Much Truth with Derek Bozeman on News and Talk 1380 WAOK. Love and happiness. Yeah. All right, welcome back to News and Talk 1380 WLK, the voice of the community. Let's uh, let's go straight to our phones as they have blown up. We have Jane Elliott. We're thankful for her. Uh, let's go to Oretta in uh, Gwinnett County. You're on with Jane Elliott. Question or comment? Hi, Jane. Um, this is Oretta, and I just want to ask you, what was the name of the first book you said earlier for us to read? What is what? The first book the first that book. you you list about three, and I got the uh, birth derf and the myth of race, and that was a third one also, I believe you mentioned. Oh, well, the third one was A Collar in My Pocket by Jane Elliott. Okay. Now, now, do not think that that is, that was prose. It isn't. It is a sort of diary that I was written over the years as I've done this exercise with all okay. kinds of people, and it is an attempt to let everybody see how adults, white males and females, behave when they are treated for a few minutes the way we treat people of color on a daily basis. All right. What I've learned from having my children beaten by their peers and abused by their teachers, okay. what I've learned from being kicked out of my family, what I've learned from being ostracized practically by practically everybody who knows me because nobody wants to be around what is called, you pardon this language, but this is what they call me. They call me... Give me the lover. Mm -hmm. Now, let me tell you, I'd rather be a lover than a hater any day. All right, let's go to Carnell. Question or comment very quickly, Carnell, for Jane Elliott. Carnell, 
All right. Can let's, you hear me? Uh, I can now very quickly. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, I can. Go ahead. Oh, okay, Mrs. Elliott, I, I got a question for you. You say um, racism is being ignorant, right? Yep. Is, is being ignorant, right? Yes. Come on, brother. What's okay, your question? Now, 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 like you said, well, do you think the, the white man just take that whole teaching to other racist people? And then my second question to you is, uh, have you ever deal with a black person that was racist to his own people okay. by being taught of course, ignorant? Of course, why wouldn't they be? Do you really think only white people learn the positiveness of being white, of not being a person of another color group? It is only white people who learn that. We teach that to everybody, members of all color groups. And that's all we are, are members of, other, of color groups. Every color group learns the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger of it. That we are, it's, a, it's, it's what makes it work for white people, but it doesn't work for people of other color groups. It works in a negative way. Right. It is insane to base your education on the premise that the amount of a chemical in your skin makes you a better person or a more valuable individual. It makes no sense. It has to stop. But we all learn it, not just white people. And people of color, I know people of color who judge people negatively who are darker than themselves and others who are lighter than themselves because, well, you're trying to act white. See, if we had never come up with the idea of the rightness of whiteness, we wouldn't have to worry about these things. We've got to get over it. All right, let's go to... This is the last song in the movie South South Pacific. You have to be taught to be afraid of people whose skins whose noses are, whose faces are differently made. You have to be carefully taught. You have to be ca- taught before it's too late, before you're six or seven or eight, to hate all the people your relatives hate. You have to be carefully taught. That's the way it is, and we need to change the teaching. All right, let's go. it isn't education. It's miseducation. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to Mike in North Carolina. Question for Jane Elliott. Good evening. How are you to see you? Doing very well. Question. You know, I appreciate the scholarship, you know. Um, what I wanted to ask was, you know, my mother went to an all-black school growing up as a child, and, and she received a great education. She's 71, retired from the school system in the in Baltimore for 43 years. Okay. Question, question Mike. Let's my, get to the question. My question is, why wouldn't you think that we need to separate from people that are, have killed enough on their mind? It's almost like a battered wife syndrome. The wife stay in a situation where she's being killed and brutalized. Why would you suggest that we stay connected to people with that kind of thinking? Okay. Uh, Jane? What? I didn't... What's the question? He said, why wouldn't there be uh, the notion of separating from those who want to brutalize us on a daily basis? Why is that not a reasonable position to take? That's a perfectly reasonable position to take, but it's even more reasonable to change those who want to brutalize others on the basis of skin color. And what we are doing is teaching in a way that makes that happen, that makes it all right. We've got to change education so that that isn't all right. Mm -hmm. We've got to change what's on television so that isn't all right. We've got to change the kinds of things that are done with this wonderful instant communication business so that it isn't all right. The brutality that happens over over the with the computers is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. yeah, we talked about that yesterday. All day and, and how do you change it? We have to change the education system. We have to say to ourselves, okay, you have freedom of speech. But your freedom to make ugly remarks stops 
where my freedom not to hear them begins. Mm-hmm. And All if right. you're going to make those other remarks, you're going to live with the consequences of your speech, and I'm going to make that unpleasant for you. All right, let's go to uh, Steve over in Fulton Industrial. Steve, you're on with Jane Elliott. How do you feel today? Good. Very quickly, your question or comment? Okay, real quick. Uh, I didn't say I, I applaud Miss Elliott, but uh, frankly, she's more optimistic than I, frankly, would say that I am in, when it comes to the white race. I believe uh, as much as racism, racism involves privilege, it also involves guilt. Neither one that I think that, that the white race is willing to give up for so-called equality or to change the viewpoint of racism. I think racism is here to stay until black people have a self-reliant attitude, no white pleading with other whites to become more liberal. We'll change that. All right. Okay, let's, let's talk about equality. I don't know how, what you look like or how old you are or how tall you are, but the, the chances are pretty good that you're taller than I am, you're smarter than I am, you're younger than I am, and you've forgotten more about racism since breakfast than I will ever learn. So you and I will never be equal. The Constitution of not, the United States does not guarantee us equality. Equality is something that we will never achieve. What it guarantees us uh, is equitable treatment under the law. That is achievable. I want it, and I want it now. And if you can make it retroactive, I'll take it. You cannot, as long as white women and people of other color groups yearn for equality and strive for equality, they can, white males can keep us where we are today, which is in an inferior position. Quit striving for equality and demand equitable treatment under the law. In many cases, for you to be equal to a a person of another color group, particularly a white color group, you'd have to go way down in order to be equal to them. Give up equality and demand equitable treatment under the law. I don't know, well, I know of five white males who could cope on a daily basis with what children of color cope with all day, every day. But I don't know more than five. All so right. that if, if you're going to be equal to us white folks, you have to go backward instead of forward. All right. Let's get Kelvin yes, last. Yes, than you are. You don't want that to happen. Forget about equality and demand equity. All right. Last question from Kelvin in Atlanta. Uh, you're on with Jane Elliott. Kelvin? Can you hear me? Yes. I have a two-part question. Right. Um, the first question We're going to just I... be able to get to the first part. So give, give us the first part because we're up against a break. Well, I want to ask Ms. Elliott as a minute racist, how does she practice white supremacy racism? Okay. What did he say? What's the question? I asked the question again, Calvin. I said, um, as an admitted racist, I want to know how do other white people practice racism against victims of racism as, as a black person? Did you understand the question? No, I didn't. I don't either, Kevin. What do you really try to ask <laughs> okay. it again? You, you're you well, saying know how, as an admitted as a white person right. practices racism. How do you practice racism, Jane? If 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 oh, it's God. inseparable? Oh Lord, I'm you. sorry, but every time I hear that somebody has killed or been raped or murdered, I think, oh Lord, don't let it be a black offender. Oh please, don't let it be somebody black. Now when I'm in Southern California, I think, oh please, don't let it be somebody who's Latino, or, oh, please don't, because I know that the next day, no matter where I walk, somebody's going to say to me, well, one of your people did it again. Mm-hmm. I know it. Yeah. I know it. And I, and I, but let me tell you something really interesting that happened to me. I, when I finally decided, after I read the Sussman book, I walked out of my house in California, and here coming toward me down the street were two black males. And as I look at there, those are members, we're members of the same race. And it was like, 
Oh, my God. What a wonderful thing. We're members of the same race. Different color groups, but the same race. I felt like that young man who said, Elliot, you've made me freer than I've ever been in my life. All of a sudden, I didn't have to think two different races. No, there's only one, the human race. It was the most interesting moment of my life, second only to my father saying, I wish that somebody had taught me that when I was nine years old. If everybody could have that experience, do you know how much better we'd all be? Jane Ellie, we want to thank you for your time. We want to thank you for uh, appearing on the show, and we definitely would love to have you back. Would you come back talk to us a little bit later on down the road? Did you learn anything? Absolutely. Okay, then I'll come back. But I'm not going to come back if, you, if nobody learned anything, because I don't want to waste my time. We appreciate you, and we guarantee you it was not a waste of your time or hours. Thank you so much for the work you do. Wait, wait, if, if Mike Render is still listening, Mike, when are you coming to my house? All right. This is Sarah's birthday. She wants to see you. <laughs> I will make sure Mike is a very good friend of mine, so I'll make sure that we make the connection, okay? Okay, thanks so much. All right. Thanks for calling. And Thank thanks you. to all the people who asked questions. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Uh-huh. You too. Bye. All right. 404-892-2703.